0: Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Be a Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own energy. <coughs> Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Yasmin, today
1: we are talking with our medical advisor, someone who has been so pivotal in the creation of our company, Bia. She shares her personal story, signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance, and we talk all about seed cycling. We also talk about the importance of winding down and calming our nervous system, which is definitely something I need. So I wanted to ask you today, I know we're both kind of workaholics, (laughs) but we've been trying to spend more time winding down. So A, are you winding down at the end of the workday? And B, how are you doing it?
0: Gosh, yes. And I know we text each other at all hours of the day. So winding down is super important to make sure we're not burning ourselves out. But yes, I would say the past... Really, since we started Bia, but since we launched like a year and a half, I've been trying to do a better job, kind of stopping working around, let's say like, maybe I'll do emails until eight, and then I'll really try to just plug off and just do nothing. You know, it could be organizing my house, it could be watching a show, but I really try not to do any type of work and just put my red light on in my room, make sure I'm not under a lot of light. And really... Honestly, just try to wind down and it's been helpful because for me, if I don't get into bed earlier, it, I don't sleep quickly. So I try to get into bed by nine ish if I can, if I'm not going out and I'll sleep by like 45. And that's been game changing for me. I get seven to eight hours every night, which I never used to in the past. I used to stay up quite a bit. So winding down for me is like a religion every night. So I'm very passionate about this. But how about you, Kea? What is your routine at night? Yeah, it's so interesting. When I started working in the space of functional medicine,
1: I was doing all the things we tell people not to do. I was, you know, on my computer well into the night. I was constantly on my screens. I wasn't eating enough meals. I wasn't, you know, balancing my blood sugar, all of that stuff we talk about. And I think over the years, especially once we started BIA, we wanted to be the company that is not, uh, not the do as I say, not as I do type Mm -hmm. of company. We want to walk the talk. And so there's nothing like starting a business in the space of wellness to really (laughs) pick your wellness into high gear. So again, like you, Yasmin, I think that over the past year, I've been really dialed into what does it mean to have the work-life balance, especially now with my daughter, That's becomes a really important thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's all a work in progress, but we're getting there.
0: Exactly. Well, I'm excited. We talk all about this today in our episode with Dr. Karina Dunlap. She is a licensed naturopathic doctor and a medical researcher providing evidence based naturopathic care. After graduating from National University of Natural Medicine, she completed a postdoctoral women's health residency. The residency included rotations in gynecology, endocrinology, and reproductive health. Her own journey with hormonal imbalances led her down the path of pursuing naturopathic medicine. And she She's our medical advisor, so Dr. Dunlap has been instrumental in us building BIA and taking it off the ground. We're so excited for this one, so let's get into it. So Dr. Dunlap, I know you struggled with something that a lot of women who are listening can relate to back in the day a few years ago. You were dealing with hair loss, stomach pains, energy crashes, and chronic infections, and you just felt off, and I feel like so many people feel that, and sometimes we think it's normal and unexplainable, but it's not the case. So at what point did you realize what you were feeling wasn't normal and there might be something deeper going on?
2: Yes, it does happen to way too many people. And I will say this is the point where a lot of people come to see me in my practice too. So what happened for me is I was I was working as an outward bound instructor. I was doing mountaineering and rock, climb, rock climbing guiding for several years, uh, drinking filtered water, but living outside and living a relatively very healthy lifestyle, very active lifestyle. And I also was working with World Health Organization when I wasn't doing our bound. So I went and did a lot of travel and I was exposed to a lot of different environments that had different um, biomes than I was used to um, consuming in my typical diet. But basically what happened is I ended up getting very, very sick on one of my trips and I had um, a GI gut, basically a traveler's diarrhea, which um, you know was just the really just kind of like the tipping point for me and made me realize looking back that I was really set up for a lot of things that after that, basically a sequelae of issues post getting sick. And when I came home, I was treated by my PCP several times with, um, a round of antibiotics and, you know, it just it, my, my, I wasn't having, um, traveler's diarrhea. I wasn't having like some of the symptoms, but it, but a lot of the other ones got worse that I didn't even realize I had in the first place. So it was, it basically set me up for this kind of overlap between the gut and my hormones and, and mood too. I was dealing with some anxiety, a lot of irritability. I was starting to notice hair loss. I was having a lot of cold intolerance. I was noticing that, um, one of the things that got me into see a naturopathic doctor was that I was having chronic, uh, uh, vaginal infections I was having like chronic yeast infections so I knew something was not right and I thought I ate really well I was a uh, vegetarian at the time I was you know doing these things that I thought at the time were really good for me and and um, I ended up really needing to do like a deep dive with somebody who could look at all systems look at how they interacted and treat me with the most Natural yet effective uh, treatment solutions that were well-rounded for me. It took me about a year. And after the first year of working with um, working with this doctor, i was I ended up in such a better place, and I felt so much overall, so much healthier and vibrant than even pre getting sick in the first place. And it just it made me think, I really need to do this. This is like there's this is so important. And I really thought of myself as such a healthy person before that, but it was just so eye-opening. So a lot of my patients are in the same boat. They come and they haven't got had the answers that they're looking for yet. Maybe, maybe conventional care has been well intentioned and and they've seen wonderful doctors, but they haven't necessarily had that all systems combined kind of overlapping support that they're looking for.
1: So I wanna kind of look back at that time because you said something, you said, I thought I was doing everything right at the time, but kind of now like hindsight is twenty twenty kind of situation. And we know that the one cause one effect paradigm is outdated. So I can't say, you know, the tra- traveler's diarrhea probably was like the tip um, that sets you off, but kind of looking back, what do you feel contributed to the way that you were feeling at the time?
2: Yeah. So I think one of the things is I, you know, I, I worked hard, really hard, but I was really pushing myself. So from an adrenal standpoint, I was definitely depleted. Um, the other thing is, is I, well, I thought my diet was really supportive for me at the time. It really, the diet and the way that I was eating, my, I had a lot of blood sugar um, dysregulation and the blood sugar dysregulation and the adrenal uh, dysregulation were really feeding off of one another they were playing well together in my body um, and led to a lot of uh, gut dysbiosis and and so you know the the overlapping of these, hormones and these systems is really where I feel like a lot of people, once they have somebody that's willing to go there with them, who's willing to see how these play together, because these, these, our, our bodily systems are not isolated in our body, right? They all interact. We, we, and we, what we know about hormones is they're communication signals from one organ to the nest the next. We don't live in these silos. So while specialties and having, and I'm a specialist too, but while having specialties in medicine can be quite helpful, you have a GI issue, you go see the gastroenterologist, they're going to know a whole lot about gastroenterology and they're going to be able to work up some really complex cases because they are able to focus their attention on that area. Sometimes people really need to step back and have somebody look at several systems as they come together. And that's ultimately what I needed.
0: And I'm curious, uh, Karina, I know, you know, you're an advisor at BIA, you're my doctor, we've done all the labs and, you know, as someone who, and I'm curious to get what this looked like for you, because you mentioned you were having some hormonal imbalances. It might not necessarily look like just typical PMS debilitating cramp. So for people who are listening, what, do hormonal imbalances look like because i think so many of us i think the stats are like 80% of women deal with it but we're not even aware of what it looks like so i'd love to get your thoughts on what that is
2: yeah so a lot of time a lot of times what people will notice is they just don't feel well they're not waking up in the morning feeling full of energy or they're not feeling like they can conduct their activities of daily living in a way that's not uh distracted by how they feel or maybe they're noticing things that they, they thought they had in good shape, but aren't. And maybe some of the symptoms might be, Fatigue, uh, difficulty concentrating, brain fog. Maybe the libido has tanked and they've always had a fairly healthy libido. They're in the same kind of relation, you know, with the same person, but maybe all of a sudden that libido has shifted. Uh, maybe they are having trouble sleeping at night. Maybe they're waking up at 3 a.m. and they just can't get back to sleep or having trouble falling asleep. Perhaps they've noticed that they're, they're gaining weight really easily and having trouble shedding that weight. And maybe while they feel comfortable in their body and it's okay for them to gain some weight and that they feel still good, about themselves, that they just feel like it's off, that their body habitus is not what it used to be. And uh, perhaps also it might be something like hair or, um, skin, or they're having acne or flares of, um, skin issues that they didn't have before, maybe rashes that are unusual or different. Um, and then when it comes to, um, the kind of vaginal and gut overlap like i mentioned there those can really feed off of each other too so it might be chronic infections vaginal infections or just noticing that they're bloated throughout the day and the bloating is getting worse and they can't maybe they've just accepted that as normal but really bloating across the day and getting worse across the day you shouldn't have to live with that you shouldn't have to feel like you're distended at the end of the day or that you're carrying a bunch of extra water weight or something like that so it's um those are kind of the things that i would say can tip someone off with, um, to that there might be a hormone thing to consider in their workup.
1: I want to get into that because there's a lot of people that we talk to who say that specific thing I'm bloated all the time. So what are some of the common causes of bloating?
2: Oh goodness. Yes. So with bloating, um, one of the top things that comes to mind is, are people having regular bowel movements and are they evacuating very, well, um, on a daily basis, really, you know, having a bowel movement every other day just isn't enough really. Um, you know, you want somebody to be able to move their bowels easily and not move one way or another on the bristol scale we talked about the bristol scale like you want somebody to be right in the middle but basically that's one of the first things i think of but really hormones can play into um bloating so we think about estrogen and progesterone those can definitely influence bloating a lot of women towards the end of their cycle as they get into their luteal phase which is right before you have your the second half of your cycle or the second two weeks of your cycle right before you have your period those tend to be the most bloaty ish times and that's because Um, When progesterone and estrogen also goes up then too, not as much as in the first half of the cycle, or right before ovulation, but the, it also goes up then, and those can influence how bloated we get. Um, often, women will say, "Like I get really bloated, really constipated right before my period." Well, that can be an influence of the how or how sensitive the body is to those fluctuations and those hormones. The other thing that can contribute to bloating, and a lot of people don't think about, is thyroid. Thyroid is hugely important. So, if your thyroid is not optimal, uh, not working optimally. Uh, you may be experiencing some bloating and that bloating then also might, it almost is like a snowball effect. Bloating can then perpetuate uh, dysbiotic GI flora, which is an imbalanced flora and that can produce more bloating and then that can then produce worsening thyroid function. So those those two really are closely linked. And then what might be underneath that thyroid function? Well, then we talk about adrenals and then cortisol. So when I tell people, you know, that um, who are wanting to work on their gut or wanting to work on their reproductive health. I do a lot of fertility care too. Um, you know, when we talk about stress and how stress can play into our health, I often will start with, you know, when we're really, really stressed and we're stressed chronically, you know, it's not something that resolves easily in our day. Then our body wants to really shut down two areas. It wants to shut down the gas, the our, our digestion and it wants to shut down our reproductive health. So our, a lot of our reproductive hormones want to shut down and a lot of our, uh, easy um, um, GI health or, or easy digestion, our parasympathetic side it wants to sh- shut it down. So often people get more bloated as they're more stressed. And I'll often hear that, like, oh, I was doing so great. And then I had this really stressful event and I got just this ongoing chronic bloating. And then there can be these, uh, like I mentioned, GI dysbiosis or imbalanced flora, there can be these bugs that can perpetuate bloating too. So sometimes we need to do a bit of an eradication phase with patients first, try to bring these bugs out if they don't belong or bring them down in levels if they're. it's okay to have them, but we don't wanna have them over abundantly and um, and start there and then really work on the health of the GI so that things are moving
0: smoothly and that people do not
2: feel that distension ex- or that bloating. Hey
0: everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking seed cycling, what the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called BIA and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about BIA and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world go to beawellness.com and that's spelled b e e y a wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode.
1: I also want to talk about this connection that you mentioned, the adrenal the adrenal system and blood sugar. And I think that they might sound like big words for people, but actually They are very relevant to every single person every day. It's like your stress hormones and whether or not you feel like crap or you have energy, essentially, and what you're eating. So, what is the connection between these two systems?
2: Oh, my goodness. Blood sugar, managing our blood sugar is one of the Major foundations of good hormonal health, and this is something as uh, as we were creating, you know, be initially, and we were talking back and forth. We were talking about like what are the main reasons why hormones go out of balance, and blood sugar is underneath is a huge reason for many. So, managing our blood sugar will help manage our 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 body's ability to resolve stress. So, our body's ability to calm that cortisol down. If our body is dealing with a lot, if our body is dealing with, first of all, they work back and forth. So if we're chronically stressed, our body is going to liberate more blood sugar in order to use that for energy. Um, But if our body is liberating more sugar into the bloodstream, and our body is trying to keep up, and then all of a sudden insulin goes up, and then all of a sudden it's going up chronically, and then we see start to have some insulin resistance. Well, you know that's that's going to be that's going to be a problem for the body and our hormones in general. Vice versa, if we also are maybe feeding ourselves in a way that's not supportive of optimal balance of blood sugar, then that's not necessarily going to also be good for our hormones or our health. So the um, the adrenals can very much feed into blood sugar dysregulation, and the blood sugar can also feed back into a perpetuate a cycle
0: of cortisol dysregulation too, and hormone imbalance. So you had mentioned if you're not nourishing yourself in the right way, that could impact blood sugar. And we talk about this probably in every interview, and I still think it's so important because it's completely changed my life, just managing blood sugar. So what do you recommend to patients who are looking for maybe tips that you would give them on what to eat because it's such a critical component of hormone balance?
2: So it's the what and the how. It's never just about what, it's also how. So a lot of people, um, and everybody's a little bit different, but th- I come back to some, some foundational pieces. When we eat throughout the day, we definitely wanna try to eat within certain windows. I think that eating for most women, eating three meals a day is a really good practice to have and eating well-balanced meals. So, you know, if we're eating um, an overly high carbohydrate meal that isn't balanced with good fats or proteins or fiber, then it's going to be hard on our body. And our body is going to, especially if we start the day with a super high carbohydrate uh, meal, that's going to start the day at a much higher baseline blood sugar level and perpetuate an issue throughout the day for us than if we start the day with a well-rounded protein Fats, fiber in the morning, maybe with some carbohydrates, but well balanced. So it's really about that that balance, and then uh, not, and then a lot of women might might just get busy over the course of the day and this is so many of my patients right they'll come in and say okay I start my start my day well but then I might not get that lunch in and then they're pushing until the later part of the day and their body is stressed because it's trying to liberate reserves when they're really really busy and needing those for good brain health and needing those for good function throughout their day to get all the things on they need to get done but they're not getting that re-nourishment so really I say like don't skip lunch. It is so so important, and uh, make sure you make time for it. You know, and then and then at the end of the day, leaving yourself well set up for a good night's sleep, feeding yourself mm. again a nice balance that also supports good brain health and good uh, uh, the body's ability to to get into some deep, nice, good rest. And a lot of times when I do see that kind of a like adrenal dysfunction, I'll see that pattern of someone waking up at 3 a.m. We have to look back and say, what was that kind of pattern of eating throughout the day? So not skipping meals is really important. Um, you know, there are variations of fasting or intermittent fasting or time restricted eating. Some of those work for some, some of them don't work well for others, but generally speaking, I would say that most people do best with some sort of Time restricted eating over the course of the night. So they'll, you know, stop eating dinner at a certain time, let their bodies have some digestive rest, break their fast really um, thoughtfully. the morning and that thoughtful breaking of the fast in the morning and that morning could be a few different hours variation depending on the person but breaking of that fast in the morning is a critical meal in order to establish good blood sugar regulation throughout the day
1: karina i know this is kind of taking a little bit of a different direction but i'm fine i want to get into some of these other pieces too i have friends who are struggling with a lot of things that are manifesting as hormonal imbalances and one thing that i hear quite frequently is I'm just not hungry. I'm never hungry. I'm not hungry in the morning. I'm not hungry, but I'm always bloated, and then nighttime comes around, and I'm eating whatever, you know, like pizza or this or that. What's going on in the body of somebody who's just not hungry?
2: (laughs) Yes, when people say I'm not hungry, I... I 100% believe that to, tr- to be true when they tell me something that their body is telling them, I believe them, right? That is something that their body is telling, they're telling themselves, I'm not hungry. But I also will tell them why you're not hungry is likely because you have chronic stress going on. That cortisol is pro- likely w- pushing way too high or it's going up and down throughout the day at the times we don't want it to go up and down. So maybe they're waking up, they're starting their day with some caffeine and they're just not hungry. Well maybe they didn't start their day with the caffeine, but they woke up and they just looked at their inbox and they're like, Oh my gosh, I have so much to do. Their cortisol just went hugely up. And I'm not surprised if they tell me they are not hungry. Um, so a lot of times those folks who say, I am not hungry throughout the course of the day, I have to look underneath, you know, this, this picture of stress, what may be causing it? What are their, what are the the reasons why they're stressed and try to work on some of those things. And then, you know, it's so great too, is a lot of the treatment plans, when they're going well, patients will say, gosh, I, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm having more fun with food or I'm having more fun with my meals and I'm getting excited about my breakfast and I have an appetite and I, didn't, I never thought I would have an appetite for breakfast, but I do. And it's like, okay, this treatment plan is working. That's great.
0: <laughs> and I'm curious, Karina, so we've been talking a lot about stress and I know, you know, going back to your earlier story about just how, you know, everything you were experiencing, you thought you were eating healthy, you were dealing with stress. I think we've all kind of had moments in our life and I'm still unwinding that for myself. Right. And we're working on that. And, you know, adrenals depleted, cortisol um, spiked throughout the day. What are maybe one to three things you recommend to to your patients when it comes to just helping deal with that chronic stress that so many of us encounter day to day?
2: Yeah, I think, when you look at your week, it's really important that you carve out the times when you can 100% disconnect from things that are your triggers for stress. So we all have stress. We Stress is important for life. I mean, part of stress is something we have to have in for in order to be able to respond to things. We want to be able to have healthy stress signals and then have those resolve. But in order to kind of bring yourself back to a baseline, it's really important to carve out time. I, one thing I learned through medical school is at me, during medical school, I went through it as Pretty much as fast as I could, not because, but I was just so hungry and thirsty for the information. But I worked really hard. I did two degrees, my research degree and my um, doctorate degree in three and a half years, which was really insane. Um, and I, you know, I worked straight through my weekends. I never took my weekends to to relax. And now I, my body, it almost is like I cannot not not take my weekends. I cannot almost. My body rejects it. It's like, it is the truth of something that I've had to learn hard, the hard way, but I would say, look at your week. When are those times that you can a hundred percent disconnect? I know now my two girls that I have, they really need me in the evening. They really need me to be there for them. I really have to turn the work off at a certain point and really be with them. And a lot of times I end up going to bed when they go to bed now. And that is another time that I've carved out throughout my week. Like I have really, really worked on, um, honoring my sleep my sleep schedule, and now on the weekends, I really take those times to to really kind of be outside, be in nature, and that is a way that I find kind of re- a return to what is a better baseline for me, a healthier baseline. So I would say, look at your week and find when are those times you can really disconnect from the things that are, and and if you don't have that yet, well then maybe we need to talk about boundaries and and finding ways to carve the boundaries out for you or speak your boundaries, what you need, because. It's hard for other people to honor that unless you're able to kind of communicate it too. Yeah, um, yeah. and then the other, you know, um, I I think two other things are just, you know figuring out what, what is an optimal schedule, like, and what those kind of key pieces are in terms of your diet it always comes back to the diet too. So it's also about time. It is also about the so diet. So what we do is really important. What we eat is really important. Okay. Those are like, so, so important. So how are you balancing out your diet? And, um, many people will kind of focus on their macros or many people will focus, like I mentioned on the timings of their meals, but really just kind of taking some quiet time, look at how you're eating, how can that be better? Try to shut out the noise a little bit. So there's a lot of information out there and people get very overwhelmed and they often will seek out the care from a nutritionist or a naturopathic doctor or somebody who can help guide them. And I think that's, that's wise in a lot of cases, but you can also, there's probably some, you have some innate knowledge to um, be able to pull from and, you know, maybe like kind of getting quiet, starting to journal, looking at what you're doing, what you think you're doing well, looking at how you think you could be more balanced and just playing with that, you know, implementing it for a week or two, just how can you bring more balance into your, into your diet? If your diet is full of refined sugars, that's probably not going to be very helpful for you. If if it's full of unbalanced carbohydrates, I'm really a fan of good carbohydrates. I'm not against them, but you know, if it's full of a bunch of refined, unbalanced, um, non-paired carbohydrates, or you're not getting enough fiber in your day, um, well, that might, a helpful thing to switch or adjust. Um, And let's see, a third point. I I think, you know, doing something that anything that can help calm, um, calm someone down. So during your work week, uh, I really lean on good, um, nervines. Nervines are the, the botanical family of plants that help our nervous mm-hmm. system, you know, help our bodies really calm down when we feel most stressed. Some of my favorites are, um, theanine a super, super safe one that, um, most people can take. I always say don't 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 just listen now. Definitely take take the advice from your doctor. I'm not giving medical advice to you independently without you being my patient. But I love L-theanine. A lot of people do use um, chamomile in the form of a tea. We put a little bit of chamomile in our blends. You know, that's a really helpful um, herb for the the gut and for hormones. And actually, we're learning a lot more about apigenin, which is um, one of the constituents in chamomile, and how that can be helpful for for the body. So those are some really safe ones just to mention off the, off the top of my head, but there are so many in the family of nervines helpful botanicals that can help really regulate that stress, which is underneath so much in the way of hormone imbalances.
1: So helpful. I love all of those. Um, I want to go back to talking about the, uh, interaction between the gut and our hormones. Mm-hmm. So there's something called the vagus nerve and mm-hmm. my boss Mark Hyman always says not Las Vegas, but, um, <laughs> so <I really laughs> that in there, um, so what is the vagus nerve and how does it support our hormones?
2: Sure. So, um, so the vagus nerve is one of the 12 cranial nerves in our body. It is a nerve that is responsible for many of our, uh, uh non-conscious or unconscious um actions of the body. So it's it's connected to our digestion, it's connected to our heart rate, it's connected to our respiratory rate or our breathing, it's connected to our cardiovascular activity. It controls uh reflexes such as coughing and sneezing and swallowing and vomiting. Um, many people will say I have an overactive vagus nerve when they when they mention that they faint easily with a blood draw, they they have a very um just fiery vagus nerve, one might say. Um, The vagus nerve is very uh, responsible for the actions in our body related to the parasympathetic nervous system. So when we talk about parasympathetic nervous system, many people will know what that is, but it's related to our rest and digest system. So we can think of the the vagus nerve as very interconnected with that rest and digest system. And then also many will um, hear a lot about uh, activating or um, fine tuning or stimulating the vagus nerve for things like mood or optimal digestion, and we do um, do things that can can help the vagus nerve be um, very uh, not over activated, but um, just nice and fine tuned. And we do things like diaphragmatic breathing exercises, or the cold water immersion that's really popular right now, can help the vagus nerve. Um, biofeedback, yoga, um, exercise, um, things that this, there's some research on, uh, managing, even managing blood sugar can help with the vagus nerve, but that, um, research is very interesting because what we see is that the, that, um, that support or that, uh, that kind of support to the vagal re- nerve response can then lead to support of our brain as well. So we think of this kind of like super highway that the vagus nerve, I think about the super highway as the vagus nerve, like between our gut and our brain. Um, And, you know, a lot of times I think about even depression um, as, or even um, anxiety as an issue of the gut and the, the vagus nerve, you know, more just like we should look at more about what's going on in the gut and the lifestyle and the rhythms that somebody's living, um, you know, and see how we can treat that um, versus maybe starting with a medication, but rather starting with some. Uh, vagus nerve attunement
0: yes and karina i'd love to also get your thoughts on i'm kind of shifting paths a little bit but cyclical living why do you think it's important to honor these different stages of our cycles and maybe you can at a high level talk about what these different stages are
2: sure so we have basically four stages of the of the of a typical menstrual cycle well life is all about cycles and seasons and stages right but for for women during reproductive years we have these uh Four stages of our menstrual cycle. We have our menses, we have our follicular phase, we have ovulation, and we have our luteal phase that comes right before our period. So, um, really, the the period is actually grouped into the follicular phase, and then ovulation is really the beginning of our luteal phase. So, those are the what I think of as the four four stages of our of our cycle. And um, living in terms of um, staying in touch with our our, our cycles of our reproductive, um, our reproductive cycles is, is important. I remember when I started my journey, when I first got really sick and I went to see the doctor and one of the very first things she told me to do was rest during my period. She said, look, you're trying to push really hard. You live in the mountains. You're a mountain girl. You go, you know, hiking and, and backpacking and you're trying to rock climb and you're doing all these things. And you're pushing really, really hard during the time when your body is bleeding and you're losing a ton of iron during that time. You're losing a lot of energy. That is a time to let your body rests because your body's going to need to spend its energy shedding the lining and then and then trying to recover some of those iron stores, those energy stores. So let your body rest. And I remember that being one of the, and she said, you know, if you rest during your period, you're going to have way more energy during the rest of your cycle. And I remember that being one of the things that just stuck with me and I started practicing and it made it really simple for me was just rest during your period. You know, that's a great way to start. Many people get very overwhelmed when we talk about cyclical living because they're like, oh, I don't know if I did the right exercise during this part of my cycle or if I, you know, ate the right foods. And you can go so deep dive onto this, right? We, we, um, We know that. And there are a lot of wonderful ways to support each phase of the menstrual cycle, but the um, you know just thinking about in simplistic terms, when your body's shedding a bunch of blood, it makes sense to rest and let your body you know just focus on replenishing iron-rich foods to help your body um, build back the the stores it needs to have energy during the rest of the cycle. We might notice things, though, if we get really quiet and get really in tune. And um, some of those things are we might notice that we have an increased libido right around ovulation time, you know, when the body is naturally going to want to conceive um, and some of the signals that our body gives us uh, to want to conceive, we might notice that. We might notice that we're not as interested during during the luteal phase when our progesterone starts to go up. We might that might be a time when, you know, if we're going to be intimate, then we might need to work on some tricks and tips with our partner in in order to find that space to be doing so but um, you know there's a there are a lot of different ways and I know that uh, BIA is putting out amazing information on this and I would just highly recommend that if people haven't checked out the resources that BIA um, has made available to do so we uh, there's a there's a download there's a free download and that will give a lot of great information just places to start and then also I know that now, Bia has a great newsletter and there's also wonderful, delicious recipes on there. Um, but there's there are a lot of a lot of ways to do that, but, but just taking it to the basics, making it making it not overwhelming for people because people are generally overwhelmed is how I like to start rest during your period. That's a good place to start.
1: Yeah. So I want to I want to talk about seed cycling a bit. As Yasmin mentioned, Dr. Dunlap helped us develop what we now call BIA today, which is very amazing, exciting. It's been quite the journey. I want to know, how did you first hear about seed cycling and how did you first start implementing it in your patients' lives and what did you notice?
2: So I learned about seed cycling in school when I was in my training, naturopathic uh, medicine training, and it was one of these things that many naturopaths, have been doing for many years and noticing great benefits from. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I found out as we did the research and dug in, as we, develop BIA. Um, but, you know, I started using the practice based on my mentor's guidance and just advice. And then I was seeing great results. You know, I saw really great results um, for my for my patients in the first few years of practice. But what I did notice was that people easily gave up the the um, practice, mainly because it was challenging. You know, they had to get, I was taught you had to get the flax seeds uh, whole, and then you had to freshly grind them at home and then store them, you know, perfectly. And some of that is true. The storing of it is true. But, you know, if you have a good source that does freshly grind and that stores it correctly in the transportation, which Bia does, you know, you, you can trust in that and mainly just, you know, once they're opened, keep them in the fridge, but I was, you know, so I had to like coach my patients on how to do this and always having the seeds handy and they just found it to be really cumbersome, but really it did, um, I did notice right away that irregular cycles were normalizing or period pain was getting better and bloating was improving, or I might notice that, that just like body habitus started to kind of improve um, naturally. Really, what else, PMS symptoms. I would um, hear people were having less PMS symptoms, less t- breast tenderness, uh, their skin felt like they were glowing. Those are the kinds of things I would hear early on from, from seed cycling. Uh, oftentimes we're doing other things, but most of the time, you know, I knew like going back to some of those earlier treatment plans that were really simple and focused really on like that food first medicine kind of approach. Um, that is, that that the, the seeds uh, have an amazing impact. Um, and I know um, through the process of creating BIA, we did do some um, research on some of our, um, or did do some research to see, you know, how, what people were noticing just by changing that one thing, just by adding in the seeds, and and it was, I think, really just so exciting for us when we started to see how many people were benefited from from the from the seed cycling, um, seeds, the seeds in the seed cycling. Uh, um, phases, phase one and phase two, we have flax, we have pumpkin, we have sesame, we have sunflower. They're full of amazing antioxidants. So just by nature of getting these like really nutrient-dense seeds into our daily routine is beneficial. Um, they can support um, inflammation. We know that most people are dealing with some form of chronic inflammation. They support blood sugar. We've talked all about that. Um, they support great uh, reproductive cyclicity and um, decreased um irritability in terms of like that premenstrual state, uh, part of the luteal phase. And they can also support some fertility too. So help support those hormones that then allow us to ovulate and, um, produce great healthy progesterone production during the second half of our cycle. And, um, you know, just like we do the state seed cycling, just like, um, you might think of in when we talk about, you know, the first phase and the second phase of the cycle, we talked about that follicular phase, which are the first two weeks and the second two weeks are the luteal phase. Well, we use the flax and the pumpkin and the first two weeks, cause they're a bit, the bit stimulatory of ovulation. So they can help produce good, healthy, um, they can help, uh, mature, good, healthy follicles that then can release and um, ovulate an egg that then that remaining cyst that's left over is nice and healthy and can produce really healthy progesterone into the second half of the cycle. We use the sesame and sunflower during the second half of the cycle because they can be supportive of the things that we need then. They can help reduce mental fatigue, physical fatigue. Uh, We see some of that in the research by not researching necessarily the seeds, seed cycling as a whole, but by researching the independent components of each seed. And so we do these cycling of the seeds also to support what we need at different times of the cycle. So living with cyclical living, seed cycling is the perfect way to do that. And I, now that I have BIA, it is such a relief to me because I know I can give a patient who I adore. I mean, my patients are like, become like my family. I really care about my patient population. And you know, I think about them, I'm wondering how they're doing, making sure making sure they're getting everything I can possibly give them. And I know from the deepest part of my heart that when I recommend Bia, I know that they're getting a quality product. product. Not only is it tested for contaminants, metals, um, molds, things like that, we know it's extremely clean. It's been freshly ground. We know it's packaged correctly. We know that what they're getting is organic, good good quality. We know that it has a good track record um, with other people who have used it. It's really, really helped so, so many women. And, um, I know that my patients are getting the very best and they can use it in a way that's not overwhelming their life. Like they can use it in a really simplified way. So from the deepest part of my heart, I know that I'm giving an excellent recommendation that's going to make really could make a very big difference in their life. And that's a food as medicine approach, which I love.
0: I love that. <laughs> I know. I have like goosebumps. I'm like, clearly we're all so passionate about this. <laughs> I, know.
2: I know. But when you meet the people, like we met each other and we were just like, oh, ah, I love loved that. Um, we, we really wanted to create something that had high integrity. And there was no doubt in my mind meeting you two. And then like we started to talk and figure this thing out and and I was like oh my gosh and just to see it out there in the world now and all of that we hear from our um from the from the from the people who are consuming it and using it and just we get such great feedback and it's always just so nice to hear and it doesn't surprise me though you know it was just women needed it to be easy too and they needed good quality sourcing
0: Totally. I mean, even the way you were talking about your patients, when my functional medicine doctor recommended seed cycling, I literally thought a, she was crazy. And B I'm like, who has time to do this? Like you're telling me to go buy all these seats. It sounds very simple. And I tried to do it and I did it wrong. I got the wrong seeds. I wasn't sure what to take what. And then that's why when we all talked, it's like, there has to be a better way because when I actually did it for one month, this is again, my own personal journey. It was life-changing. I'm like, something is here. How can we optimize this and make it easier, more accessible so we can support the consistency of somebody doing a protocol like this, which is like game changing. But also, Karina, you know, we thought also a lot about the formula, Those the four seeds that you mentioned. You know, we did the research. They are very much game changing. But I'd love for you also to share why we included hemp and also chamomile powder.
2: It all came to back to us getting to that really deep dive core piece about what most women deal with and what's underneath hormone imbalances and we really had to look at those reasons why people are having hormone imbalances and try to figure out what were the safest things to incorporate alongside these seeds to complement our formulas um, so we chose the chamomile powder the organic chamomile powder because it's just extremely uh, balancing to that stress we know stress is underneath this chronic stress issue is underneath so so much for so many so many women and um, we thought could we you know help support that stress piece a little bit more than the seeds alone could and that has really played out very well for our formulas um and then also we wanted to include the hemp hearts and what i love about the hemp hearts is they're a complete protein so we knew like if we could balance out not only giving people that lovely lovely support of the fiber through the seeds but also incorporating some extra um, protein support that's a that's a very plant forward protein support, you know, that is uh, well-rounded that, that the hemp hearts could do that. And they also made for a really nice flavor and that we really liked as well.
1: Yeah. So I'd love to hear how you use Bia daily because Yasmin and I do different things. So it's always (laughs) interesting to hear how everyone uses
2: it. Yeah. I mean, I use Bia every single day. I notice when I haven't had my Bia for a week, like if I run out or something and I'm like, oh gosh, I need to get back on it. I, I rotate through the seeds just like the like we instruct others to do. And, um, so basically I always incorporate them, incorporate them into my breakfast. Usually that's how I make sure I get it in. My breakfast is usually a combination of different things on different days, but I'll, I'll put it on anything. I like the via, it tastes so good. So I'll put it on, I can put it on my eggs. I can put it in my, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll have like some Greek yogurt mixed into my breakfast. I can put it in there. If I have a, um, oatmeal or something like a organic oatmeal, you know, I'll, I'll mix it in there with some of my other protein sources to co- to um, kind of complement that meal. But yeah, I just find something that I, some way of getting in, but usually I have to get it in the morning to make sure I do.
0: Yeah, me too. You know, I'm curious, Karina, and I know we're coming into time, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this. You know, so much of seeing the benefits of a product like ours with seed cycling is being as consistent as you can be. And I'm sure even with the patients you work with, whether it's healthy living, healthy eating, eating three meals a day, seed cycling, like all these practices, practices require you to make it a habit. And that's something we try to help women with. But maybe, you know, what are one or two things that maybe working with patients who didn't necessarily have those habits before might have helped them incorporate things like seed cycling, for example?
2: Yeah, um, with habits, you know, and he- establishing good, healthy habits, I I often will say, you know, it takes about 60 days of doing something and don't give up if, if you fall off one day, it's totally okay. You know, just remember, just don't give up. Number one, don't give up and just start again tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. And then remember, if you can do something for two months straight or 60 days, 60 days is where the research is. If you can do that for 60 days, it will become an automatic habit and you won't really have to think about it. Or if, you know, you can just have that, um, whatever you're going to have, like if you're going to do it in. The morning, if you're going to have seeds in the morning, do your seeds like in the morning. Have your seeds set. I have like my BS seeds right next to my oatmeal bag, or I have them right next to like my breakfast food, so they're really close. So I see it every single day when I open up, you know, and and get ready to prep the breakfast. So um, just making there can be like pre cues. You might write yourself a note. It might be a reminder on your phone. It might be something like that. But if you can establish this habit just remember, it doesn't have, you know, you don't have to think forever. Just think in short term, like, okay, I'm going to do this this week. And then I'm going to do it for a month. And then I'm going to really aim for those 60 days. And once you get to that 60 days is a big um, celebration because that hopefully will be then easy to continue with the habit. And then in terms of, I mean, BIA as a, as a company makes it so easy for like recurring shipments and stuff. So, you know, it's very easy to stay on top of it with your shipments if you want to be on the recurring shipment plan. And uh, what else? I think those are my, my main points.
0: Yeah. And then once you know, notice a difference. It's like, that's our motivation. And I know all of us, right? Like we'll travel. We're not perfect human beings either. There'll be some weeks where we're not as good. And we, I think all of us collectively will completely notice a difference. And we're like, we got to get back on the bandwagon. So I think it's super motivating. Once you kind of feel the difference you're like, wow, I feel so much better than before. And I think that's all of our motivation to even continue it, you know, continue to take in it every day. So I just, I love that, but.
1: Absolutely. I remember just like you, Karina, I learned about seed cycling in school and the doctor who taught me about it said, if I can get women to be consistent with this, 90% of the time I see their period problems go away. And that just blew my mind. Like what, if I can do this, if I can make this available to the world and people can be consistent, like period problems will go away. So if you're listening to this, consistency is definitely key. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so nice to have you. Such great advice for everyone listening. And I hope we can do this again soon.
2: Yes. I
0: thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure to to speak with you today.